Hello, everyone. Good morning, and you're very welcome. Um, you're especially welcome if you're a first-time visitor. Shane is my name, and it's my privilege today uh, to speak on the final section of our series, uh, All of Christ for All of Life, um, about the letter of Paul to the Colossian Church. Um, uh, this is Paul's conclusion, um, giving further instruction and final greetings to the church. Um, and I have titled the message, uh, Walk and Talk, in terms of spreading the gospel. So before I get into it, I'm going to tell a story about a friend of mine. His name is Jerry Doyle, and Jerry has a podcast uh, called Hope is to Life. And um, on his podcast, he invites pastors and ministers and friends of his from around the country uh, involved in different ministries, and he gets them to talk about those ministries and where they serve and give their testimonies. And at the end of the interview, he does a quick fire round. He um, asks a, a question uh, every time. If you could sit down and have dinner and have a conversation with three different people, anyone at all, dead or alive, who would you pick? And I've listened to every episode of, the, of, of his podcast, and the number one most frequent choice is the Apostle Paul. People, um, you know, in Christian culture, Paul is uh, definitely credited heavily. Um, in that same question, it's funny, people go on to make a combination of Paul singing across from the likes of Freddie Mercury and Roy Keane, so it'd be a funny, a funny dinner to be at. Um, Paul is certainly someone that we could uh, knock a good conversation out of, so you can see why he's popular. Um, and as is true to Paul in his letter to the Colossian church, it's rich, it's layered, um, and from that today I want to try and ring out a message and get across and apply what Paul is saying to the Colossian church to Calvary Court today. So before I start, I'll pray. God Almighty, I come before you, God, expecting that you can speak through me. I thank you for this opportunity again, Lord God. Um, Jesus, be glorified above all else. Um, remove the nerves, remove all vanity, Lord God, and just help me to focus on you and help me to bless the congregation that we may uh, depart uh, richer than we came in. Glory unto your name alone, King Jesus. Amen. Taking us up water, mouth getting dry. So, for context again, quickly, in the rest of the book, um, Paul is in prison for announcing in the Greek and Roman world that Jesus um, is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that he died and rose again for our sins. Um, and Paul, is, Paul is in prison and he is writing these letters to this church in the city of Colossae that he's heard of. Um, he's heard that this church has been um, you know, that they've given their lives to Jesus, um, that they have a ministry, and uh, he's heard about them and he's encouraged about them. He's encouraged by them. He wants to let them know that he's praying for them. And um, he also gives a few instructions and a bit of advice on how they should conduct themselves as a church of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna split the, the sermon into three parts. Praying, preaching, or outreach, and personal greetings. So firstly, in terms of praying, verses two to four say, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Paul has said in chapter one already, as Mike spoke a couple of weeks ago, that 
He's been praying without ceasing for the church and that the gospel is bearing fruit um, because of what Jesus did. Um, first and foremost, he's asking for prayer uh, in this final instruction of his. He's not asking for um, a ball of money. He's not asking for a letter in return for a pen pal. He's not asking to be broken out of prison. He's asking for prayer first and foremost. So that's important. Um, and the tone of the letter, the tone of the letter to the Colossians is joyful and it's encouraging. It's not admonishing. So when he's telling people, when he's encouraging us to pray, it's not get on your knees more, guys. You need to work harder. You need to try harder. You need to spend more time. It's not. Prayer is a joy to us. It's an absolute privilege. And he's encouraging us to enter into that privilege to which we've been so bountifully and freely given. Um, he's asking for prayer and he's He's, he's letting them know that he's praying for them. And he's also asking for prayer that God may open doors for the gospel to be received. Um, <clears throat> again, we have the, the, the privilege to pray. Those of us that belong to Jesus, we can, we can come to him and pray. We can ask for the desires of our heart. We can worship him. And as Psalm 150 verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How does that apply to Calvary Cork today? ways that you can pray. I'm going to give four examples. Um, Don French reinstituted the prayer group after every Sunday service. Myself and a couple of other people uh, will be at the back of the service. And for those that have prayer requests or uh, would like to pray with us about something, if you're comfortable to share that, or even just generally say you want support, or you want encouragement, you're so welcome to come and ask for prayer in that. Um, we have a Calvary prayer WhatsApp group in which um, you can give a prayer request, you can give a praise report. Um, I'm not quite sure who the admin is for that, but maybe you can ask me afterwards, or um, you can ask to be joined, or you can reach out to me or someone else that you might not be a part of it, uh, if you have a prayer request like that. Um, we have the Wednesday night prayer meeting, and uh, we have community groups uh, every week in various parts of the city and county. Um, I personally would strongly advise for anyone that's looking to get involved more in the church or get to know people, if you're new, certainly, it's a great facility that you can come um, and, and just, be, uh, just be blessed. You can, you can ask for prayer uh, and be prayed for. In the one I went to before lockdown in Audrey and Dave's house, we would begin the night with, with prayer and at the end we'd do around the house if anyone has anything to pray about or give report of. And we used to laugh at the time, for a particular period, week on week, we would one of us would give a prayer request and without fail for a good amount of time, the following week we'd be giving uh, a report that that prayer was answered. God hears our prayers. Um, and you know, these, again, these are four facilities that we have now um, to come to, to God with prayer. There was a British missionary in China in the 1850s called Hudson Taylor and concerning prayer and devotion, he said this, do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the word of God and prayer and get first of all into harmony with him. So very much aligned with Paul's emphasis to prayer. First and foremost, those of us that belong to Jesus and whatever pursuit we have, pray first. Tune your instrument first. You're so welcome to do it. Um, later in this chapter, we read specifically about a prayer warrior named Epaphras in verse 12. I'll read it there again. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, 
always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Our prayers did not come cheap. Our entitlement to pray certainly did not come cheap. Um, 1 John chapter 5, 13 and 14 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. The church of Jesus Christ is to be a praying church. I can testify personally, um, in a recent event uh, where I reached out for prayer to the church, and I was, you know, really, really blessed. Um, kind of summertime towards autumn of last year, my father fell ill, and he, you know, he, he was getting weak, and he wasn't sleeping, and he was not himself, and he was going to doctors, and they were advising medicine that, you know, after time wasn't the right one, and there's a few, you know, diagnoses or whatever, and. What came to be was that he needed surgery for bowel cancer. Um, he ended up going for that surgery. He had to have uh, a, a large portion of his large intestine removed, to be graphic. Um, and the surgery ended up being complicated and being double the time. And the recovery time was longer than we expected. And he was in hospital during the pandemic for three to four weeks. Couldn't see him. And when he came out for the first time in my life, my father was physically looking up to me it was smaller than me, and it was, it was, it was frightening. You know, it was really, it, was re it struck me. Um, and for a period, I was, I was genuinely scared. But thank God. My wife Sophie and myself, we know better than to fret. We know better than to despair. Because of what Jesus has done. Because we have hope in him. And because I knew to reach out to the church, to my church, with that prayer request, I could pour my heart out and the body got around us. The body supported the family. They prayed for us. Week on week, people asked and encouraged us. Um, people reached out to my mother, my sisters, and you know, by the grace of God, uh, our prayers were answered and dad's, dad's doing well. He's recovering. He's recovering. Um, and you know, again, that's just a personal testimony of mine. Um, Every one of you here is so welcome to, to reach out to a believer like that if you're happy to, or you can reach out to God yourself. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ is to be a praying church. Take another drink, actually. Battle be done fast. The second section preaching or outreach. So concerning who we want to reach with the gospel. Verses five and six say, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. <clears throat> when I read the word wisdom anywhere, I think of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is, um, a book full of beautiful metaphors about wisdom and it personifies wisdom um, as someone we need to run after. God's wisdom, we need to, we need to seek it. Uh, Proverbs 2, 1 to 5 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, 
If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. So let your speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. I myself am guilty in the past of not speaking so graciously. There are people in this room that have been with me to Thoman Park to watch a monster match. And for example, if a referee or a linesman isn't really doing their job according to my standards, my speech can be seasoned with a bit too much salt. So that person certainly isn't going to want to talk to me afterwards. And it's not exactly a platform from which I can have a relationship to talk about Jesus, is it? On the other hand, in a previous job that I had, I had the senior manager. And he had a reputation for being a hard-nosed character, hard to approach, uh, dismissive, and uh, just a difficult guy. Won't name names and I won't name the job, but... Um, I needed his approval for a project that I was pursuing. So I needed to get on his good side, and I wanted to, you know, I had to, it was before lockdown, I had to go into him physically and talk to him. I'd go into his office, knock on his door, and um, I thought to myself, man, this better go well, or I'm in trouble. So, you know, I went, knocked on the door, the usual scowl, looking back at me, and I just looked in the door, and on his right, on the shelf, I saw a motorcycle helmet. Bingo. Shaney loves motorcycles. So, before anything got talked about, before my project to work or anything like that, I said, oh, nice helmet. What bike do you have? Where do you like to go? What do you like to do? Whatever like that. And we just got chatting like that. And I ended up being delayed myself because of the conversation we had. We just got into it. Uh, we saw eye to eye like that. And for the finish, whatever paperwork I threw in front of him, oh, no bother yet. Sign it away. Sign my life away. Um, that's, that's how it came about. Let your speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. Um, not to be cunning or manipulative, but to be wise, to be gracious, to be seasoned with salt. And in that particular situation, the bowl manager and myself, we had a good relationship. We went down, we went forward and we'd have good catch-ups and whatever. And from that point, I'd have opportunities. If he was asking me about my weekend, oh, well, on Sunday I went to church. What's church about? And there we go. So, depending on who we're talking about, it's appropriate for us to be wise, to season our speech with salt, and to just to be a nice person, to, be, to befriend people and just to be approachable and nice to people, because if you're not that, then why do you deserve someone's time? And why do you deserve their attention to reach out to them? You know, we, we just, it's a quite sensible instruction just to be a nice person, uh, but, but to be wise for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of reaching out to people. Um, similarly, Paul uh, is instructing the, the, the Colossian church about this. Um, we all have personal testimonies um, about what Jesus has done in our lives. Anyone in particular, actually, that wouldn't, um, you know, you're in the right place. I'm glad you're here hearing this. But I was so blessed and I was riveted to my seat when a couple of weeks ago, Linda and Toby were testifying of their lives, sharing and pouring their hearts out about trauma, genuinely hard seasons in their life, that by the world's understanding, they shouldn't have, you know, they shouldn't have gone forward with hope in their hearts, with joy. They were told that they'd be scared and that, you know, this is, this is going to be your demise, basically. 
But that's not our truth. Those of us that belong to Jesus, we're not walking around wounded. You know, Jesus, he heals. Um, I, was, I, was, I was so blessed to hear those testimonies. And what an opportunity we have to share that hope with those that don't have it. Your story may be different, but you have that hope. You have the same Jesus in your life, or you are welcome to have that same Jesus in your life that Linda and Toby and myself and so many others do. I would advise you to just give ear to what I'm saying if you don't know Jesus today and trust that, you know, what we're saying, Jesus is the resurrected King. He died for your sins and he brings about healing and salvation. Romans 8, 18 says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What glory is that? So previously in Romans 6, 22 and 23, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Um, in terms of outreach, Calvary has had a lot of street outreach in the past, like at the GPO. And going forward, I'm told that leadership will determine how uh, that will come about again. So those of us that have that testimony, we have an opportunity again. You know, our light is not to be hidden under a basket, it's to be shared. And we can obey that commission of Jesus to go forward and make disciples of all nations. So the third section, a bit tangled up, First, the personal greeting. So, like I said about Paul, he's credited heavily in Christian culture because of his wisdom, because of his writings, uh, and because of his example. But he was not a man that worked alone. Very commonly, he had a band of people around him in one accord with him. Um, you know, focused on, on that commission of Jesus. Um, he wasn't a man that worked alone. Verse 7 to 17 talks about 11 different people. Um, and these people uh, I want to look at and maybe observe as models, um, you know, of conduct um, from, the, from Christians, from people in the, in the Christian church. The pronunciation of these 11 names took me more practice than I care to admit. But uh, we're going to give it a chance. So, concerning uh, groups of believers, uh, a preacher named Francis Chan said, when you read the New Testament, you see the Holy Spirit was supposed to change everything so that this gathering of people who call themselves Christians had this supernatural element about them. Let's bear this in mind. A supernatural element. The Holy Spirit. Any good attribute that we're about to talk about of these 11 people, you know, these faithful servants, there, it is such because they have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit and by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Verse 7 and 8 say, Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and he may encourage your hearts. So Tychicus is understood to be a very close friend of Paul's spent a lot of time with him uh, and Paul demonstrates that he trusts this man 
He gives him this letter that he's to bring to the Colossian church, and he is to encourage and represent Paul, um, you know, and encourage them in the gospel. He was a close friend of Paul's. So being a faithful friend is a very admirable trait. This room has several very faithful friends of mine that through the years, through many seasons, have encouraged me and witnessed to me. And I'm so thankful to God for that. And then again, any desirable trait in my friends, I can attribute, and similarly with, uh, with Tychicus in this case, ultimately, that faithfulness is emulated by him who is unfailingly faithful, Jesus Christ. Funnily, actually, uh, I, I'm talking about friends that encourage me. My good friend Luke Lane, before I came up here, he patted me on the back and he said, no pressure, Shaney. And it just meant the world to me, so thanks for that, Luke. Verse 9 says, And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. <clears throat> Onesimus is a remarkable character and may be directly compared with you and with me. His backstory later on in the New Testament is explained in the book of Philemon. And in that it says, I'll tell you, I won't go to it now, but um, Onesimus was a slave to a man by the name of Philemon. And as Victor explained last week, at that time, slave ownership was customary. Um, and, and he escaped from Philemon, this man Onesimus. And that was a sin that was punishable by death. So he escaped. Paul being Paul came across this man, ministered the gospel to him, and Onesimus joined Paul on his journey. Um, and Paul's instruction here is that after all this has happened, he is to be welcomed. He is one of you. He is your brother. And that is so absurd uh, that, was so, that attitude was so absurd at the time that this, this, you know, escapee or whatever who was deserving death should now be welcomed. It was so countercultural. But where have you and I seen freedom, so undeserved freedom, given to, 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 to someone? Romans 6, 6 and 7 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Um, like I said, a direct comparison can be made with an escaped slave, deserving death, now welcomed. That was, that's our story. We should get a bigger pulpit. <clears throat> Verse 10, Aristarchus, Mark, and Barnabas. So, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. So Barnabas is known to be, or is credited with being, Paul's first partner on his journey. Um, first person he did ministry with. But they had a falling out concerning Mark. And as Paul is writing to this, this letter to the Colossians, even though they've had this falling out, he doesn't exclude them. He's demonstrating forgiveness. He's demonstrating a welcome to people that he's had a falling out with. 
Again, that applies directly to me and you. If we're in the house and, you know, otherwise there are people or believers that we've had disagreements with over the years, we've had fallings out with, the due action after that is not to be bitter and to exclude and not to love. The complete opposite is demonstrated to us. Jesus never wrinkled his nose at anyone. Neither did Paul, and neither are we to do that. So yeah, the point is, even if we have disagreements, we are to welcome and we are to forgive. Verse 11. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to us. So this guy, Jesus, is not our Jesus. He's uh, also known as Justice. We don't know much about him other than that he was Jewish. He was the comfort to Paul. Um, so basically he says hello, is what we're being told. Verse 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always, struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and in those, and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. So, like I had read earlier, Epaphras is a prayer warrior. Um, struggling on our behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. Like I said again earlier, prayer is not to be taken lightly. It's a joy to be able to pray in expectation and certainly when it comes to being mature and fully assured of the will of God when it comes to the spreading of the gospel. You know, no, uh, no lack of emphasis on prayer in, the, in, these, in this passage. Verses 14 to 16. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and to the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So Nympha is this woman who hosts church gatherings in her house. She gets a special greeting. Anyone here that hosts a community group, at this time, you would have got a special greeting. Um, and again, I want to give a shout out to uh, community groups. Uh, I'm going to just reinforce what I said earlier and even what Jody was saying earlier about joining uh, ladies in men's ministry. Um, really encourage you to get joined um, in terms of community group again. Um, a great place to get spiritually fed as well as physically fed a lot of the time. Um, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We in the Church of Jesus Christ are part of this 2,000-year-old tradition of gathering in one accord, in the name of Jesus. And what Ephesians says here is that when we're, when we, if we are to grow, we have to be united. But firstly, Jesus has to be the head. So that's, um, that's Paul's instruction on church growth. And finally, uh, not finally at all, verse 17 and 18, I'll do 17 first. 
um, and say to Archippus, uh, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So, quite simply, this guy Archippus gets a pretty humbling instruction or even a warning that the ministry he's involved in deserves his best effort. He's, um, he's been appointed this ministry uh, by God. Um, and again, to make a parallel here, any job that's done in this church or any ministry you're involved in is deserving of your best efforts. We are to consider that an appointment by God. Um, so in the same manner, Archippus is instructed to do it wholeheartedly in whatever situation, whatever ministry you're involved in or whatever it may be, it's deserving of our best effort because we're here, because God put us here. And it's, you know, in the, at the end of the day for the glorification of Jesus. So verse 18, as Mike would say, to land the plane. Um, Paul finishes the letter very poignantly. I'll read it, actually. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Even though he said he's rejoicing in his suffering for your sake, may we never disregard the reason that he went to prison. It was for the benefit uh, of preaching the gospel and for that gospel message to eventually reach you and me. Um, but also be encouraged that joy can be found, in this case even in a prison cell, um, when we have all of Christ for all of life. So I put no timer on, I completely forgot. I don't know how long that was, but um, I hope you uh, got a lot from and enjoyed the sermon series we had going through this letter. Um, you know, I certainly, it's, it's such a rich text. Uh, there's so much to be taken from it. I encourage you to go over whatever notes you might have taken, go through uh, old sermon videos. Um, yeah, and just be blessed. Um, let's just, you know, the, 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 the title of this sermon is very apt, All of Christ for All of Life, and uh, it's certainly to be remembered uh, as we go through or remember back on uh, anything we've learned from the last seven weeks. Amen.